Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. It has been a huge honor to be Prime Minister. Mistakes were made. And I have been elected Rishi Sunak to fix them. Active shooter at the high school. We need additional action to stop the scourge of gun violence. Whether we uh, maintain control of the Senate and the House is a big deal. Russians' allegation the Ukrainians use a dirty bomb. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. Two weeks and about three hours from uh, right now, we'll begin to see the results of the midterm election. And uh, there are numerous polls that have come out. There's not been a lot of polling on North Carolina specifically. We had a new poll come out today from Civitas and the John Locke Foundation. Mitch Kokai is senior political analyst with the John Locke Foundation. He joins us now. Mitch, thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, we're getting really close to the election. Putting that timeline on it really puts it in perspective. Uh, It's not far off at all now. I mean, two weeks will be gone in the blink of an eye. So many of these polls are all pointing in the same direction. We did see some fluctuation back and forth back, eh, you go back to June, maybe even into August. But the last 60 days seems like the momentum is really building for the Republicans. And your poll, which came out today, seems to verify that. It certainly does, especially when you compare the results that we have from this Civitas poll to the last Civitas poll roughly a, a month ago. And you'll see that in almost every respect, when you have the head-to-head race between Republican candidate and a Democratic candidate, the Republican is in better shape now than at the last time. The headline race, of course, being the U.S. Senate contest for the open seat being vacated by Richard Burr because of his retirement. Two polls ago, we had Democrat Sherry Beasley and Republican Ted Budd running neck-and-neck the exact same percentage, 42.3%. The last time around, Sherry Beasley had a very slight lead, well within the the margin of error. I think it was 0.3 percentage points that she was leading. Now, in our latest Civitas poll, basically, Ted Budd has a four-point lead, just a little shy of 47% for him, 43% for Sherry Beasley. Still within the outer limits of our margin of error, because this poll has a margin of error that's just under 4%. So it's not a case of Ted Budd being able to look at this saying, aha, the race is mine, now I can just sit back home and kick up my feet. Uh, There's still work to do, but certainly he's in much better shape now than he was uh, during our last polling uh, encounter. And, uh, of course, the news is looking good for other Republicans on the ballot. If you look at the generic ballot for Congress and for legislature, and, of course, we don't vote for generically Republicans or generically Democrats, but that does give you kind of a clue of where people are leaning. In both cases, Republicans hold a majority uh, uh, over the Democrats of about 50 percent to 44 percent, a six-point advantage, and that is up on the legislative side. That was up from just a two-point advantage in our last Civitas poll about a month ago. And on the congressional side, that six-point advantage is up from a three-percentage-point advantage the last time around. So things moving in the Uh, Republicans' direction, looking at the two state Supreme Court races, which are very important because uh, these races will determine which party has a majority on the court. In both cases, the Republican uh, uh, has an uh, advantage that is beyond the margin of victory. 
In the case of Richard Dietz, running against Lucy Inman for an open seat, about a six-and-a-half-point margin. In the case of Trey Allen, running against incumbent Democrat Sam Jimmy Irvin IV, he has a seven-point margin. And so I think in both of those cases, you have to say the Republican has to feel pretty good about where things stand because that's well beyond the margin of error in our poll. When you do this polling and then you look back on the actual election results, it, it just seems curious that you would have Trey Allen with a seven and a half point percentage lead over Sam Irvin, and yet Ted Budd is just at four percent. When you get to the actual elections, do you find that most of those numbers come together in a, in a closer percentage? In most cases, you certainly see some of that, that, that the races top and down of the ballot seem to be a little bit closer to sort of a, a, a generic 51-49, 52-48 margin, depending on the election. But I think it is a source of at least interest, if not outright concern, for Ted Budd that he's been running a little bit lower than the generic Republican. That certainly has been something we have seen throughout this campaign. Uh, I, I think the latest numbers look pretty good for him, but he has been running behind the, the generic Republican. I think that's because Sherry Beasley fairly early on realized that if she was going to get any attention from the national Democrats and any money coming from both the party and also the outside groups, that she was going to have to show that she was going to be, that she could be competitive in this race. And so she very early on started attacking Ted Budd as uh, overly Trumpy or too extreme for North Carolina. And I think that had an impact. People who have actually looked at the record, seen Ted Budd, heard from him, would say, you know, this is a guy who's in the mainstream of a conservative part of the Republican Party. He is not what you are seeing in some other states where they have uh, nominated someone who is seen as a little bit outside of the, the mainstream of the Republican Party. Thanks in no small part, to help from Democrats who tried to get these folks nominated over other Republicans so they could try to beat them in the general election. In this case, Ted Budd is certainly within the mainstream of the Republican Party, and I think that the fact that Sherry Beasley had such an early attack against him probably did have an impact. Plus, you also had, uh, fairly early on in this campaign, the folks who were supporters of Pat McCrory and Mark Walker, in some respects, being still a little sour on mm -hmm. Ted Budd. Good now, point. as we get close, now as we get closer to the election, people are saying, "Whatever you really think about Ted Budd, do you really want Sherry Beasley in that position? Do you really want to give the Democrats a chance to hold control over the U.S. Senate, or do you say Ted Budd, whatever I think about him personally, is going to be?" probably a reliable vote for the Republicans on Capitol Hill. And I think that is swaying Republican-leaning voters, even the McCrory and Walker supporters, back toward the Republican fold. We're talking to Mitch Kokai. He's the senior political analyst with the John Locke Foundation. Civitas had their latest poll released today. By the way, if you want to see more details on this poll, go to carolinajournal.com. It's their lead story up there right now. Uh, Mitch, it, it is interesting that um, the the huge leads the Republican uh, Supreme Court justices have over both of their opponents. Uh, now, what do you, what did you attribute this to? This is not the first election where they're going to be identified by an R or a D, but uh, it, it's it's rather curious uh, 
do you do you think this is a reflection of how activist the Democrats have been on the North Carolina Supreme Court? I think that certainly is playing a role in it. I think it's also a sign of the the role that crime is playing in yeah. the election as well. But uh, for whether it's right or wrong, I think people look at judges and say, if you know nothing else about the judge or a justice and their record, that you would guess that a Republican judge or justice is going to be a little tougher on crime, and that's how they're responding. We saw, you, you mentioned, this is not the first election that the R's and D's have been back with the, the names of the candidates for these races, but we also saw in the last cycle, 2020, Republicans won every statewide judicial race. They won all five seats on the State Court of Appeals, all of them at about a 51-49 margin. They won three seats on the State Supreme Court in both cases of uh, Justice Philberger Jr. and Tamara Beringer. It was in that 51-49, 52-48 margin. The Chief Justice's race was closer. Of course, uh, Paul Newby won by 401 votes. Right. But still, that was an 8-for-8 sweep for Republicans, and I think you're seeing probably that same sort of mindset this time around. And the fact that people have been seeing uh, more uh, crime problems in recent years and saying, look, we want people who are on the bench who are tough. And, you know, the, the interesting thing is the Supreme Court deals less with that. They're not the trial judges deciding what to happen. They, they deal more with constitutional issues, but they do deal with issues that sometimes have to do with hardened criminals and whether they're going to get new trials or whether they'll have a death penalty reduced to life in prison or in the case of uh, convicted juvenile murderers, whether they can a actually end up serving a life sentence or whether they would have to face the possibility of parole after 30 or 40 years, which is a decision that, as, as you described it, an activist, Democratic-led state Supreme Court decided. They said that you know, after a U.S. Supreme Court ruling that said uh, that you had to take new factors into account for juveniles who've been committed of the most heinous crimes, they decided that there was a, a time limit on the amount of time a juvenile could spend uh, before they would have a chance for parole, that time limit being 40 years. And that was something that the Democratic court basically just invented. It wasn't something written in the Constitution. They decided that 40 years was long enough. There was a blistering dissent from the Republicans on that case. And for people who are paying attention, they see that sort of thing. Uh, your poll goes into the state legislature in that you say Republicans have made similar gains in the races for the state legislature with 50.1% of voters planning to vote Republican. That's up 3.5% from the last time you polled at 46.6%, which I assume was about a month ago. Do you think, now obviously that was more of a generic question. It wasn't specifically for a candidate. Obviously you'd have to have a pretty big budget to poll for all the candidates. But do you think that Republicans will get their supermajority? I think it's going to be very close. As you pointed out, th th that polling question is, is a generic one saying, uh, are you more likely to vote for a Republican or a Democrat? We know that that's not the way people vote for legislature or Congress. They are candidates who are running against each other. And because of the way election maps are drawn, there are many districts that only a Democrat is going to win, and there are many districts that are only a Republican is going to win. So you really are looking at a handful of districts in both the state House and the state Senate that will determine whether the Republicans get their majorities. They need to get a net gain of three seats in the state House 
and a net gain of two seats in the state Senate to do it. I think it's going to be close, but I think that this particular poll suggests that that goal is a little bit more achievable now than we might have said it was going to be a few months back, especially after the Dobbs decision and Democrats appear to have kind of a surge in their candidacy. I think at that time you would have said Republicans are going to win control of both the House and Senate, but will probably fall short of supermajorities. I think this latest polling suggests that if they don't win the supermajorities, they'll come pretty close. Speaking of Dobbs, uh, you did get into issues that people are most concerned with. 88.5 Republicans, um, I'm sorry, North Carolinians expressing concern over the price of groceries. 64.7 of voters stating inflation is a primary issue. Abortion, uh, the poll says, is also playing a critical, though lesser, role in voters' decisions. 58% of voters agreeing in its primary issue as a primary issue. You know, what's curious about this, when I read those numbers, I, I typically think, okay, well, um, those people are probably uh, more pro-choice, pro-abortion than, than they are pro-life. And I thought, well, wait a minute, if I was polled, I'm ardently pro- pro-life, I would have said, yeah, that's that's an issue for me uh, because I am pro-life. I'm, and, and, you know, it, so that number of uh, 58% doesn't necessarily mean 58% are all uh, pro-choice. Yeah, you're exactly right. And it's very important in the case of the questions you were just referencing to to give a little bit more detail, because on both the issue of inflation and abortion, what we actually asked is, do you consider those issues to be a primary issue in the campaign? And 65% said, yes, inflation is a primary issue. 58% said abortion is a primary issue, and that would, as you just suggested, include the people who are ardently pro-abortion and those who are ardently pro-life would say, yes, this is a primary issue. This is, this is something about which I, uh, it's really important. Even if it's not something that's driving you, you see it's driving other people. Right. But the next question said, which is the most important issue? And the, the one that got the highest uh, percentage was neither of those, neither inflation nor abortion. It was the economy in general, which got about 31%. Then abortion was next at 18%, and then inflation at 15%. So if you threw the economy and the inflation together, which tend to go together, that's about 46%. People say 46% of them say either the economy or the inflation is the biggest factor for them, 18% said abortion was the biggest factor. So, yes, abortion is a primary issue. Is it the primary issue? Only for 18% of voters. And I think that probably suggests that uh, election campaign ads that all talked about abortion and whether it's, you know, vote for us on the Democratic side because we're going to protect your reproductive rights or vote against the Republicans because they're going to attack your reproductive rights, focusing only on that issue might not have been the best campaign strategy for Democrats, especially when people are going to the store and seeing how much things are costing right. Right. Uh, and how much more they're costing now than they were a year ago. Yeah, and the Democrats certainly, and even Sherry Beasley, put a lot of weight into the abortion issue in her, in her advertising. The uh, other issue, that, or the other question that you asked, which I found fascinating, let me read it. When asked whether North Carolinians preferred a Democratic governor 
with a Democratic legislature over a Democrat governor with a Republican legislature, the majority of voters preferred the latter, 50.6%, over the former, 39.5%. Now, is that pretty typical, or is, were those numbers uh, inflated this year because of the partisanship that's going on in Raleigh? You know, I, that's a very good question, and because we haven't typically asked that question, I'm not sure. The way that it was actually asked was, setting as the baseline, we have a Democratic governor. We're, of course, going to have a Democratic governor at least through 2024, barring some uh, uh, unforeseen circumstance with Roy Cooper. So the question was, do you believe, since we have a Democratic governor, that we should have a Republican-led General Assembly to counterbalance that governor, or should we have a Democratic legislature to help the governor implement his policies? And as you uh, pointed to, more than half of the the, uh, polled voters, 51% almost, said they'd rather have that split government. If you're going to have a Democratic governor, you got to have the balance with the Republican-led General Assembly. And it was uh, almost 40% who thought that and, of course, uh, uh, that has to be almost all Democrats. I can't imagine uh, Republicans said, you know, with a Democratic governor, we ought to have a Democratic legislature. So Democrats said, okay, with a Democratic governor, we ought to have a, a Democratic legislature. But I do think that part of what goes into this is people seeing uh, what the Democratic Party has stood for, what the Republican Party has stood for and said, look, uh, in this case, when we're sort of leaning toward Republicans, Having a Democratic governor and a Democratic legislature would probably put us in a similar situation to what we're seeing in Washington, D.C., with a Democratic president and a Democratic Congress, and we don't really like what they're doing. Right, right. Uh, Mitch, this is a fascinating uh, poll, especially as you highlight so many races that are going to affect North Carolinians. I mean, we see a lot of national polling, but this specifically, especially especially those uh, two North Carolina Supreme Court uh, seats. Uh, it, it will be if if you're if things work out as your numbers point to, and we have two new Republicans in the North Carolina Supreme Court, we're going to see a lot of backpedaling over the next uh, few months. After uh, well, one, once they uh, are uh, put into uh, their positions, uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens next year. Yes, it'll be very interesting, and it'll also change the strategy, I think, uh, on the, the left-of-center side, because what we've seen in recent years, especially when Democrats had that 6-1 majority, but even when they've still had this 4-3 majority, is that activists have said, the General Assembly does something we don't like, okay, we'll sue. Right. We'll get the state Supreme Court to fix it for us. They won't be able to do that anymore if Republicans have a 4-3 or even 5-2 majority. Mitch Kokai, Senior Political Analyst at the John Locke Foundation. Again, if you want to uh, look a little more of detail in this poll, go to thecarolinajournal.com or you can go to johnlock.org and hit the polls tab. Uh, that will get you there uh, either way. Uh, Mitch, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Good stuff. Thanks so much, Tom. Have a good evening. You too. Stay with us. I'll be right back. 